Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of The Murder Game is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 7 now. In this episode, we investigate a leak to the local newspaper and get stranded on an island with Richard and Andrew. Murder Game, episode 7. In the last episode, we lost Tina Wells to the killer. She was found in a grain silo on the farm after being attacked in her home under the watch of Andrew and Nick. There are five suspects remaining. These are Goldie, Jennifer, Jay, Trevor and George. There are five investigators remaining following Merrill's surprise exit last week. They are Andrew, Richard, Rory, Nick and Mel. We are reminded that Andrew survived for the fourth time. They are beginning to play it as a game now. We see lots of clips of the group commenting on who is a threat and who could actually win it. Richard seems to be forgetting that the tactical vote can take place as he comments on how Andrew and Rory aren't a threat to him. Well, no, mate, they are because they can form like alliances or allegiances and, and take you out when essentially playing the killer's game is a coin flip anyway, isn't it? So mm-hmm. Richard saying that others aren't a threat to him, you're taking a chance there, mate. Yeah, you can be the, you can be the best one and still be voted out. Absolutely. We're given a recap on last episode's findings. Felicity had lied about having a baby. We found out in the last episode that the dead baby found in Alice's room is more likely to be Dorothy's. We are also reminded that it's believed that Catherine felt threatened by the father of her child. In the morning briefing, we are told that Chief Bob has hunted over 100 real killers (laughs) he's hunted over 100 real killers so that's 101 then bob is it (laughs) (laughs) meryl has chosen nick to be the next lead investigator this means of the whole group andrew hasn't been given a chance to do it yet chief bob shows them the local paper it mentions the necklace that was worn by Catherine at the time of their death is now in the hands of the investigators he asks the group if there's a leak amongst them he's horrible to them there isn't a leak but he's like will not tolerate leaks my investigations do you understand he's not very nice to them either way he's accusing them of leaking the information i'm thinking who of them are talking to anybody else other than the people within those four yeah walls? exactly yeah absolutely bizarre. it'd be good if there was a leak yeah it would be great wouldn't it nick is asked as lead investigator to find out how the press got hold of that information as only the killer and the group know about the necklace chief bob says he won't tolerate leaks i mean if it does prove to be a leak then i'll be mightily surprised he pretty much tells him what to do and what each track will he like he commands that investigating team chief bob has spoon fed them throughout it's always yeah this is the task you go out and do it rather than asking what they think they need to be doing and then guiding them to the right because the thing is yeah if he's got three things that they need to do in a day and then they are he asks the group right what does this mean what does that mean and they give the answers and they say well maybe should ask jay wilmington about this yes right we'll create that as a track who who should we ask about this exactly and that's that's what happened in murder in small town x whereas in this it's very much bob saying right this is what's happened you now know need to go and interview him and Nick, who's going to go and do it? What? Hold on a minute. Yeah. And I think maybe, is this, is this because, obviously we've seen it in the other episodes, they get somewhere and they completely forget to ask the question. Now, is that because that was never their idea anyway? And they're not very invested into that idea? Yeah, perhaps. Andrew brought back the killer clue as he returned from the killer's game. Yet again. They have a good laugh at how he asks for compassionate leave. But that made me laugh, to be honest. I thought Andrew yeah. is quite good in that situation. Oh, he says about um, he had any sleep, doesn't he? And then Bob's yeah. like, well, you wouldn't on a murder... T- uh, on a murder you don't get a lot of sleep in this business or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Right, Bob, we get it. It's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> 
You don't get compassionate leaving a murder inquiry, Andrew. <laughs> You're lucky if you get sleep. I don't get that achieve at the moment. <laughs> well, that's all right. The killer clue is a strip of four passport photos for Anya. Could Catherine have been planning to get her a passport and doing a runner with her? And who would be upset by this? Perhaps it's the father. Since we know Catherine feared Anya's father, and despite us knowing that Trevor being bi the biological father, we also know that Catherine had supposedly told Trevor that Jay Wilmington was Anya's dad. That leads to track one, go and talk to Jay. Ask him why people think he's the father and ask if he was threatening towards Catherine. Nick chooses Mel and Rory for this task. Andrew and Richard are therefore going to take on track two, which is to talk to George Howick because we still don't know if he used his boat to get off the island at the time of Catherine's murder. After the briefing, Rory, Andrew and Mel take the piss out of Richard. Oh yes, that's what we, a 34-year-old man driving. Yeah, well, he's born in 38, yes. One's pregnant, is one not one's running around hot cold? Are they looking at planes? Because it's almost like they're looking at the sky and describing what's in the aircraft and just saying that that's the sort of thing Richard would do. Yeah, he would, he would know because he's so like, meticulous <laughs> about everything. He would know every detail. But I think they say even say who's flying the plane or they can see <laughs> yeah. certain passengers. And what baggage and stuff that they've got, what cargo or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> also, Andrew's just gutted that he's been put with Richard. Oh, I just love he's got it. got a short it's straw. So funny. I've drawn the short straw today with dear old Richard. Um, he just told me why that why other teams have been failing and he hasn't, and the lines of inquiry to adopt. In other words, tag along behind, shut up, don't say nothing. I'll do it. We'll pass. They they honestly they really hate it. They they hate him as much as I do. I don't think he's he's that self aware either, Richard. No, definitely like if, not. If people hated you, surely you'd know. You'd start thinking, hang on a minute, or perhaps he just doesn't care. I'm not sure. Um, there's 25 grand at stake, you know. Yeah, but sometimes the stuff he says, I'm thinking, surely if you if you just read the room. <laughs> Well, let's wait until we get to the uh, the flares later on. Mel comments on how much people will rip the piss out of him when he leaves the show. Although I bet he didn't think that there would be two idiots doing it 18 years later on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so track one, Mel and Rory go to meet Jay at the waterfront. Jay has taken them down into his boat to have a chat. Their test is to not reveal to Jay who gave them the information about him being the father. My worry here is that Rory just doesn't care. <laughs> He's it's just going to blab. And Mel often goes in like a bull in a china shop. They ask Jay who the father of Anya is, and Jay claims that Catherine always kept it a secret. When they mention that it could be him, he asks, who told them? And Mel responds by saying, they're not at liability. And um, we're not really at liability to say. I'm sure she means at liberty. I'm not yeah. at liberty to say this, yeah. not at liability. Although my English, I'm not, I'm not picking her up on that because my English is terrible. Also, you can, you can see that she's so uncomfortable because she's just constantly got her head down and there's no eye contact. Yeah, it's really quite difficult for her. They push a bit more and he says there's no way at all that he could be the father. They then divert the questions to the threatening behaviour towards Catherine. Again, he's curious as to who's been telling them this, but flatly denies it. Before we go on to track two, back at HQ, we see Nick on the phone to the newspaper. They ask whether it's true about the necklace and he does really well not to admit that they have it. Instead, he says that he wants to get hold of the note that was left by an anonymous source. So on to track two, Richard and Andrew head over to the island to meet George Howick. 
the old chap who taught Catherine to play piano. At the time of the murder, George claimed he was stuck on the island due to the high tide. It's Andrew and Richard's job to determine if he's telling the truth. George invites him into his house, and we are told he won't be easy to interview by the voiceover. He likes to play games, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And George does play a game, spinning all the questions onto the investigators, asking Richard about whether or not he's got children. And Richard says, well, we're practising at the moment. I didn't understand why he gave away so, so much information. Like, I know you have to have that sort of report with who you're interviewing oh in terms of the investigators giving George quite a lot of info about their personal lives yeah yeah. I'd just be like that's not part of the case this is you know what I mean yeah, it's, yeah you could play it like that but I think George is one of the most charming of all the actors I think he's really fun then, to be around seeing Andrew he's so annoyed and tired he really <laughs> he's, just, he's gone no. well Andrew's just pissed off that he's with that he's with Richard to be honest yeah, he's, he's borderline walking out of this whole place <laughs> Richard even comments on how George's is probably his favourite suspect to interact with if you just go along for the ride I think the suspect that I've best interacted with is um, got to be George Howick the guy's completely barking mad but he's just so nice uh, and as long as you could go along with his madness and his liveliness uh, and um his personality that then you could you know have a fantastic time and we've mentioned in the past that you know whilst he's a bit weird george really is a fantastic character mm. he reveals that he was evacuated to the wilmington house i was evacuated here i was evacuated to the wilmington estate and who looked after me mm. but dotty Apparently it was rumoured that Charles was the father of Dorothy's baby. George's friend turns up. He's brought his boat back. His friend in the newspaper is holding the halibut. What really made me laugh, mate, was that he's a fisherman, right? And his name is Rod. <laughs> Did not pick that up, but that's definitely done on purpose. Some some clever writer somewhere has 100%, done that, right? 100%, that's yeah. genius. The investigators face a hidden test. What is the significance of the date that Rod caught the halibut? Presumably it's the same date as Catherine killed, right? And if Rod was using George's boat, then George has got an alibi. Yeah. So it's a bit of a silly hidden test, but anyway. The whopper, whopper of the month. <laughs> <laughs> whopper of the month. <laughs> Richard reports it back to Nick at HQ and tells them that George has an alibi. Richard and Andrew's driver has left without them and now they're stranded on the island. Surely go back and ask George for a lift in the boat now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know he's got a working boat. <laughs> anyway. He, he says, he says, oh, we've got stuff to do. Does he say we've got stuff to do before the tide comes in? Yeah. What's he doing? He's not going to the mainland. And also, why why are you staying? Like, just go back up, knock on the door. Oh, the tide's in, mate. Let's have a cup of coffee. We have a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you just waiting on the beach for it? Yeah, he, he actually says, I'm sorry to have to rush you off. There's tide and things. You just can't, you cannot think quick enough. We've got to catch the, uh, the tide and things. So the driver's left without Richard and Andrew. Why is the driver gone to the other side? <laughs> if, any, if anyone's a killer, it's the driver, though. <laughs> when Richard rings Nick to ask him about the driver, Nick doesn't really care, does he? No, swim. So I put if I, if I was Nick, I'd just leave him there. Well, that's what he does. What, what else does Nick do? To do it? Other than answer the phone. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. He's like, well, well then, so I'll see you later. I'll, <laughs> I'll put your dinner in the fridge. Mel and Nick talk about Richard. And also Mel is getting a bit tactical by talking to Nick as Rory sleeps. Mel is trying a little too hard here for my liking. I, I, I do really like her, but it was a little bit too much, wasn't it? Yeah. Nick might see through it, although I don't think she's done him any harm up to this point, so she'll probably get away with it. Back on the island, Richard and Andrew are stuck. Andrew doesn't care about being stuck. He'd stay there all day, but he doesn't like the fact that he's there with Richard. Andrew even suggests that Richard probably doesn't have many friends. Actually, when you look at it, it's a, it's a little bit sad. I don't, I don't think he's got 
a great many friends, actually. Although this made me feel a little bit sad, I was perked up in the, immediately after in the next scene that Nick writes dick instead of Richard on the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, they, they call Richard a dick on the whiteboard. It, yeah, was, it was such a contrast because you've got Andrew saying, I don't think he had as many friends, which is a bit sad. And I'm thinking, oh, that is a bit sad. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after, Nick's, Nick's calling him a dick. dick. And I was like, yeah, fucking And that was like, proper laugh in it. Yeah. There's even... At one point, the narrator saying uh, that Andrew's with his best friend, Richard. I didn't pick that up. That's amazing. You have to go back and get it. (laughs) Meanwhile, Andrew and best mate Richard are deep in conversation. Andrew and Richard on the island are talking tide times based on the sun and the moon. Andrew looks enthralled. (laughs) It's so funny, man. They are out there for hours. I mean, get the sort of the lowest tides when the earth's in between the moon and the sun. But you can predict it all because you you know where the sun and the moon and the earth will be in relation so you can predict it all and you come up with an almanac which gives you tide times you know you can do that many years in advance this is what i'm on about about reading the room because he's speaking andrew does not look interested and anybody else would be like right the bloke's not interested i'll shut my mouth and it keeps going on and that's obviously about the how many times the moon goes around the earth it's like oh my god just shut your mouth andrew's face is a picture he's not even looking at him no. he's just staring into the distance completely dead i don't know if it's a piss take but the narrator says about the causeway then he says um richard's calculated that the uh, the causeway should be low enough to walk across he's clear to pass How's he calculated that? What, just by looking that there's no water on it? No, because don't forget that when the sun passes the moon in its orbital <laughs> phase. <laughs> He's got his uh, charts out. He's, tri- He's done some trigonometry He's using with the, the moon. navigational plier things. Yeah. Which is the killer. <laughs> so yeah, but Richard decides that the tide should have gone down by 6pm. He doesn't decide. He doesn't decide. He calculates. Calculates. Calculates that the tide should have gone down by 6pm. They start to cross and find a message left by the killer coming out to play where they find Polaroids of the old quarry and the deserted barn where the two investigators will later play the killer's game. Back at HQ after the first day of investigations, Andrew says he needs to let off some steam and speaks to Rory in the smoking area. Shit, I never heard so much shit in all my life. Andrew goes on to explain that when the flares went up, when the rockets went up, Richard went to ground because that's what he was taught in his military training and one of them says what's he fucking doing on bonfire night he's gone down i said of course i've been taught um with a (laughs) (laughs) i am not i am not it's a fucking nutter what's it what's he fucking do on bonfire night (laughs) 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 but the other the other thing is even if you're trained in the military i can completely understand if you're in a conflict in afghanistan and someone starts mm. shooting you get to ground you do what you're told yeah. if you're in a bbc production and you hear a flare gun go off you're not going to be shot in the back of the head or a firework yeah <laughs> shame they didn't get that on film i know yeah i know do you know and it wouldn't surprise me if richard just did it so he could talk to andrew about it oh that's what they taught me in training At the morning briefing, Chief Bob comes in to discuss the previous day's events. Rory talks about Jiggy Jiggy when they discuss Jay. There's some classic moments in this this episode, wasn't there? I did find myself laughing quite a lot. It has completely transformed what I think of the show, and actually I'm really excited to to learn more about it compared to the first four episodes. So Rory talks about Jiggy Jiggy when they discuss Jay. What's Jiggy Jiggy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse. I think I'm aware of that term. (laughs) Due to George's alibi, he should be removed from the suspect list. But he isn't. They're still missing some information. What? Anyway. 
<sighs> Nick confirms to the chief that he spoke to the newspaper about the necklace. We still need more information, so Richard and Andrew are going to follow this up, along with verifying Rod the Fisherman's story to give George a solid alibi. Mel and Rory have to go back and interview Felicity based on the information that George gave Richard and Andrew surrounding Charles Wilmington being the father of the dead baby. It would seem that Felicity was lying about it being her baby, we assume that it's Trevor's mother, Dorothy's. We've mentioned previously that the relationship between Trevor and Jennifer is a bit strange. Mel thinks that it could be Trevor seeking revenge on the Wilmington family, whereas Rory thinks they could just be boffing because Tony isn't satisfying Jennifer. It seemed a bit too cosy, if you know what I mean. Plus, um, Tony Wilmington's in a wheelchair, so... Come on, spit it out. What have you got in your mind? Tony, Tony Wilmington's in a wheelchair, so uh, Jennifer Wilmington might be sleeping with Trevor, if you know what I mean. Right. Tensions seem to be easing amongst the group. It is getting a bit more light-hearted, with one exception. So track one, Rory and Mel are heading back to Creepsy to interview Felicity. They need to uncover the truth about the baby. Jennifer welcomes them into the Jacobean part of the house to speak with Felicity. She's packed her case. I'm not sure where she's going. Is she just doing a fucking runner? <laughs> Just sat there in the middle of a room with a suitcase on her. She's like, they found it, I've got to go. Again though, and I feel bad because Mel leads this section and she always seems to be put in these situations, which she's obviously not comfortable with, but does a, a brilliant job considering. She's, she's always front and centre of everything. Mm -hmm. The only time she's not been was that press conference, which Sam yeah. was more vocal over. So Jennifer is listening behind the door as Felicity tells them about Dorothy. She was 14 and this awful thing happened with Dorothy. Mel is very comforting. Felicity says she heard awful screaming down by the pond and Dorothy had a baby. She said it was Felicity's father's baby and she put the baby in the cupboard. Dorothy knew that Felicity had taken and hidden the baby. Since this is a confession, Mel and Rory should caution her and take a full statement. Felicity's like saying, I killed it. I allowed it to die. Because she's trying to put, she's, she's trying to get them to caution her. Yeah, she is. She's given them every yeah. opportunity. I killed it. When you say you killed it, what makes you think you killed it? I allowed it to die. And Mel and Rory just seem a bit lost. Mel even says... But you're not in trouble in any way. Don't don't think that's all. <sighs> I put that. Yeah, you're not in trouble. Rory's fuming. Mel just feels sorry for her, but begins to realise that she probably should have confronted her. I, at this point, thought Nick might actually choose Mel because of what's gone on Because today. that fuck up, yeah. Also, when they're walking across the uh, garden back, like the house Mel says she's such a lovely old lady <laughs> that uh, that baby killer in there such a lovely old lady but then Rory he's going no she killed it she said she killed it <laughs> so why do you step in then Rory <laughs> he's still tired mate yeah, that is uh, 22 hours sleep that he normally has on track two, Richard and Andrew go to meet the people at the Blackwater Gazette to find out about the necklace. Turns out it was Polaroids that were left on the door of the newspaper. They don't get anywhere with the photos, but ask about the halibut. Richard wants to get the prints that they can get from the archive room. What details might be in the photo that would clear George? And I just thought it was George's boat. Yeah, and that composition of that photo is so weighted, this, isn't it? So Richard drops a bollock here. He's not very good under pressure, is he? He tells the man at the paper that the investigators do have the necklace. Some investigators do have it but oh, I see and yet he doesn't get called up on that later on which is a bit annoying but anyway back at HQ again and Nick receives an anonymous email from the killer the email contains a video of Goldie who has been kidnapped she reads out a ransom the killer wants them to head to the wood at 6pm and take the necklace Nick informs the chief and calls the teams back in Chief Bob tells them the seriousness of the situation and tells them he has a surveillance technology expert 
heading over to HQ. Chief Bob says he wants Team One to take on this track, and because the killer demands that only one person takes the necklace to swap for Goldie, Nick chooses Mel because of her negotiation skills. It becomes Mel's responsibility for the safe recovery of Goldie. No pressure there. Team Two needs to attach a bug to the necklace so they can track it. Oh, please don't say that the bug expert from the previous episode is coming about. Exactly, no, exactly what I thought. <laughs> and it is him, isn't it? Yeah, it is him. But if, also what I thought is, because he says oh, I have to put a bug on the necklace, I was thinking, mate, we've seen the bug that you put on people. Like, nothing's going to fit on that necklace without <laughs> someone knowing. Like, it's going to be huge. And then it cuts, and it's actually, he's putting a bug, which is still massive, inside of in, a bag. In a bag, which they're going to put. And the, the bag's necklace. massive. So the same, the same expert who moaned that Mel wouldn't shit in a bag. Yeah, he's got his... He brings it with him. He's <laughs> got it with him. Just bottles of piss with him. Chief Bob tells them this is the most serious situation they've been in so far and he wants no heroics. When he says that, I'm picturing Andrew just ripping his shirt off, going full diehard and shooting a helicopter down with a car or something. <laughs> I want no mad heroics. The chief are told to follow the killer's instructions to the letter. The next scene is at Layer Wood and it approaches 6pm. We see the killer making preparations. It's clearly a man. Like, they make it so obvious when yeah. that killer is laying out rope and stuff like that. Far too much. And I'm certain it's Trevor as well, but we'll get into that at the very end. But we just shown too much, I think. Back at HQ, and I put, that fucking bug expert is back. It is the same person as before. And I wonder if he'll criticise them as much as he did last time. He shows them that he has concealed a tracker in the bag, as we just discussed, and find out that Richard plans this task out using his military training. Again, they're using all this technology, but still clear Dean because he sent an email from his office. Come on. Poor Andrew is trapped in the Land Rover with the bug guy and Richard, and Mel picks up on how miserable he looks. You can see on Andrew's face, he's going, his conversation is so boring. That must have been a horrendous journey. They approach the car that Goldie is in front of. Mel's bricking it, and Andrew can't get hold of Rory on the radio. All sorts of issues. The music is bizarre. It sounds almost like the Pink Panther at this moment. (laughs) It's a mix between the Pink Panther and a circus. Can you hear me? Over. I can hear you. Over. So this scene is amazing. Goldie says she's got a gun pointed at her and the killer fires some shots into the air. Richard is kicking off. Goldie's trying to give male instructions and it's a total mess. Oh, she can't hear. She can't hear. No. (laughs) Richard and Bug Expert are giving Andrew shit for his usage of the radio. And Mm. what is going on? And this isn't the first time that phones and radios have played up. So if they've done it on purpose, it is a shit show. I was thinking, because, well, first off, Goldie's shouting at Mel about putting the necklace on the end of the rope. And and she says it. Put it in a bag. No, put it on the rope. End of the rope. And whilst that's happening, Andrew's trying to talk to Rory and Rory can hear Andrew, but Andrew can't hear Rory. But then Richard's trying to like micromanage Andrew's use of the radio. Say Roger. Roger. Keep coming, Rory. Just say Roger. Just say Roger. Let, right. let him do the talking. But the fact that Rory's getting irate as well. Yeah. He's, he's like proper holding the, the radio and like shaking grip. the radio. Yeah, it is some force grip stuff. I can hear you. <laughs> But it, it doesn't help having that bug expert person around either because he's just not going to help, is he? Eventually, it all settles down. Goldie has left. Mel goes to rescue her as the other team follow the tracker. Goldie gets taken to hospital and Rory and Mel head back to HQ. Richard was following intently, but then they all get lost. Eventually, they find their way back on track and end up at the quarry. Richard finds the bag, but they've lost the car and the necklace. Well, I didn't expect anything else, to be fair. Back at HQ... Nick, Mel and Rory are talking about Richard. 
We hear the voiceover guy say. Back at base, Mel, Nick and Rory are on their favourite subject, bitching about Richard. So I'm going to cut the audio in here for him to go. Bitching. They have a case conference that evening. Andrew is convinced it's Trevor Dobie. Tells the camera why, but he tells the group he's got no idea, which is brilliant. So he's telling people clever. at home. Yeah. yeah, why he thinks so. He doesn't look too stupid. But in front of the group, he's going, oh, I've no idea why. To the camera, Richard is just smack talking Rory and Andrew. Andrew's just playing with him all the time. He's just winding Richard up. It's great. In the final meeting, Chief Bob asks if the kidnapper is the killer. Andrew says, perhaps not. It's time to find out who passed and failed their lines of inquiry. Mel and Rory did really well on day one to withhold information from Jay Wilmington, but didn't caution Felicity when she confessed to the murder of the baby. Rory's hilarious. I clean forgot, he says. They failed their lines of inquiry. And Bob says, brandish the sword of truth. I ask you to brandish the sword of truth. Who says that? Chief Bob. Anyway, Mel's just laughing and Rory's still just taking the piss. I just really like them two together. Andrew and Richard did well interviewing George and determined that George has an alibi based on the time of the photograph and that he was chopping wood in the background. The fact that they said they needed to spot something in that photo. I mean, it's obvious, is it not, that there's George exactly. with an axe in that photo. It wasn't yeah. a difficult task, was yeah, it? Yeah, half the photo is George chopping with an axe. <laughs> yeah. Whoever took that photo in the first place is a terrible photographer to include that much yeah. when all you needed is some man and his fish. George is now cleared as a suspect. Andrew and Richard passed their lines of inquiry, so only Mel and Rory can be voted for. Andrew is definitely playing the game. He has voted for Mel. He's definitely not voted for the weakest person there. Although he is mates with Rory, fair enough. Rory can only vote for Mel. Mel votes for Rory, but has a good cry at the same time. Realised at this point that Chief Bob reminds me of Brian Butterfield from the Peter Serafinovich show. Especially when he's looking at Mel across the table in the interview room. Suspect your husband's having an affair? Worried your wife may leave you? Concerned your daughter may have run away with gypsies? Then put your fears to rest with the Butterfield Detective Agency. Richard should vote for Rory because he's been slagging him all week and this will be interesting. I thought, you know, what if he votes Mel just to be tactical? But fair play, he does vote for Rory, which is which is right. And I do have a lot of faith restored in Richard because if he was playing a game, he could have got rid of Mel because he knows that Mel's more of a threat to him than Rory but no he stands by his word yeah he definitely did the right thing there since it's a tie they'd normally go for a revote but that's just gonna go on all night otherwise so they let Nick pick who out of the two Nick chooses Rory out of the two of them and fair play Rory takes it well he's like yeah fair enough I'd really laugh my ass off at this point if Nick chooses Mel as the second person (laughs) he doesn't realistically he should be sending Andrew but last week mate You said, I think Nick might give Andrew a week off because he's soft. And although he shouldn't, and although Andrew's the weakest investigator, I think Nick might choose someone else to play the killer's game because he feels sorry for Andrew. And that is exactly what he did. Yeah, yeah. too weak-minded, isn't he? Nick says to Andrew, have a night off. But I actually think he's just saying that and he just wants to give Richard the vote. It's not being soft on Andrew. It is a game and he's played it so well. I'm amazed and I was over the moon that Richard Sharrocks was playing the killer's game. Oh, he's gutted. You can see it in his eyes. He is absolutely gutted. Rory is heading to the quarry. Richard is heading to the derelict barn. Richard is just pure toxic I, i've put he's just a real dickhead before he leaves to play the killer's game yeah, did you see that uh, he he even said to rory oh as i'm it doesn't matter now but i, I voted for you and yeah. rory's like i just don't give a fuck i don't care honest. mate well rory since i'm not going to see you again i can safely say that i voted for you this evening i'm afraid 
I don't care. I don't give a fuck, to be honest. Richard felt like he had to say that to Rory. Like, it makes you even, even bigger nod, mate. Yeah. No one goes to see him off. I did feel a little bit sad, but then I thought, no, what? No. No, because that's the relationships that you, you gain in the house. Exactly. And you think you've got Rory, who's pretty much done nothing. <laughs> but he's everyone's friend. But he's everyone's friend. So, yeah. yeah. Rory gets all the love before he leaves. They're blindfolded again. I've got no idea what the point of that is. They head their separate ways into the darkness with their cameras on. Rory is hilarious on his journey. Richard actually gets to face all sorts of shit. There's Polaroids everywhere everywhere along with dolls and nooses and stuff and it does look like Rory's killed and when we eventually see the HQ doors open Richard returns worst case scenario really Andrew's clearly upset that he's lost his friend in Rory but it also really shows how bad Richard really is for them all to be that gutted that Richard's back Richard also is completely different to everyone else everyone else who's come back being mainly Andrew I think is like oh my god that's scary and you get people jumping in like oh this is terrifying etc Whereas Rich is like, that's great. Everyone should do it. That's fantastic. And it's almost like he's now got bragging rights because he's been. He's been and come back. Like yeah. him and Andrew are the only two now in the house that have been and come back. And it's like, he's almost thinking, oh, I've got one over you lot because I've been and survived. Yeah. Anyway, we see into next week's episode. There's no real clues as to letting on, you know, who will lead the team. So with that in mind, who do you think Rory will choose to be the lead investigator? Andrew. Yes, mate. So we think Rory would choose Andrew. Andrew chooses someone to play the killer's game. We think he'll probably pick Richard. Who is the killer? What you're going to say, I fully back now, that I think it's Trevor. Yeah. Unlike Murder and Small Tannics, we where we had different people and we were saying different people because of different reasons, I think this all points to Trevor. Yeah. Without a doubt. So it'd be interesting to see how they play that out. And I think if it isn't Trevor, then we haven't been able to play the game at home, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. If there's some convoluted ending that you don't know until the very last episode, then the people at home were never able to get that. Yeah, do you want to do top four then? I think there's a difference between who you want to win and who you think yeah, will win. Definitely, yeah. Because I still absolutely want Mel to win. Yeah. And I want... So in terms of who I want, I want Mel to win. I want Nick to come second. I want Andrew to come third. And I want Richard to come fourth. I don't think that that is how it will end. That's the four that I want in my heart. I think Nick will win. They have focused so much on Nick Mm -hmm. since the very start, since he proved to be a shining light in the investigation room. He's got so much airtime over all the others. And and you never really see him put a foot wrong. No. Whereas Mel's been in quite a few situations. But that's only because Mel's been put forward for a lot more things than Nick. That's That's true. You know? So I I would say how I think it's going to happen, Nick, Andrew, Mel... Richard. Yeah, okay, so mine's slightly different. I think Nick, Mel, Andrew, Richard. But that's it. If you're still with us, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us next time as we wade through more floodwater, get locked in a surveillance van, and watch Creeksy burn to the ground.